Listeners, welcome back to Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries Unity in Christ program. If this is your first time listening, my name is Christine Kim, and I am the host of this program. If you learn about the customs of the Jewish culture, it's amazing to see how God's providence is embedded into their ways and customs. One of them is their marriage customs. Looking into the Bible, when Jesus describes the relationship of the church and Jesus, it is described as a relationship between a bride and a groom. Jesus, the groom, and the church, who has been called as the bride. Why does the Bible express the church as his bride? In order to understand the heart of God, it is necessary to understand the customs the Jews held. They say that the Jewish arranged their children to be married around the age of 12 and 13. Their marriage customs aren't like how most marriages are now, where people fall in love and date and get married, but are arranged marriages. The father prepares a bride for his son and takes his son to the bride's house and has him propose to her. But there is something he must prepare prior to going. That is a substantial amount of money that needs to be given to the bride's father, and unfortunately. Without this money, the groom cannot earn his bride. Then, how does this relate to Jesus' story? In order for Jesus to call us as his bride, there should have been a price to be paid. He who is perfect and righteous came and paid the price of our debt on the cross. It says in First Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen through twenty, "Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God?" You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Although the marriage ceremony hasn't taken place yet, because the cost of the bride has been given to the bride's father, the bride and groom are now married by law. Because the groom has paid the price of his bride, she is forever his, and no one else other than the groom can claim her. We'll come back to share more after our first song.
As a substantial amount of money has been given to the family of the bride, and a marriage therefore has been established, they say that the groom offers a cup of wine to his bride. According to the traditional Jewish marriage customs, this has a significance of, I would like you to be my wife, as I pour this wine into your glass, I promise to commit my life to you. If the bride drinks the wine, then she is saying she accepts his proposal and will commit her life to him. During the Last Supper before Jesus was captured, he also pours wine to his disciples, asking them to drink it. It is given to us in the scriptures of Matthew chapter 26, verse 27 through 28. 
And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That blood was the blood of the covenant. As they drink wine in honor, committing to one another for marriage, Jesus makes a new covenant with the disciples and pours some wine. As the new promise is made by the significance of the wine, they say that in the Jewish culture, the groom then promises to come back for his bride once he prepares everything for the wedding. The reason the groom leaves is because he goes back to his father's house and prepares a new home for his bride and himself to live together. Jesus also made the same promise to the disciples before he left. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. These are the scriptures of John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. The Lord left us to prepare a dwelling place for us. When that dwelling place is ready, He has promised to us He will come back to get us so that we may be with Him eternally and left to go back to His Father's house. When an engaged groom promises to come back for his bride and he leaves, the bride does not know when he will come back. The bride just believes in the promise that he has made with her and waits patiently believing in that promise. The engagement period in the Jewish culture is usually about one to two years. During this time, the bride and groom live separately in their own homes. They also claim they hold this period for more than a year to confirm the bride's purity. If this was not kept during this period, she would have given birth to a child and it would have been confirmed she was not able to keep her purity within the given time frame. This is also why Joseph wanted to break off the engagement with Mary while they were engaged because she became pregnant. Jesus died on the cross and paid for the cost to call us as his bride. He bought us with the price of his blood that was only doomed to die for the cause of our sins. This is why we are of Jesus. This is why we must live to prove to be his pure bride and wait for him patiently to return. Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor Francis Chan of Cornerstone Church. Today's topic is Slavery Can Be Fun, Part 2, based on James chapter 1, verse 1. I hope you have a blessed time as you join Pastor Francis. But James, that's how he introduces himself. But here's my question. I understand that slavery to me has a negative connotation. But can slavery ever be a good thing? Is slavery ever a good thing? Ever? Yeah. Yeah, if you got a good master. Yeah. If you got a good master. You see, because in the Old Testament even, there were times when someone was working for someone. He was his servant. And then he paid off his debt, what he owed the master. And so the master would say, okay, you paid your debt, you're free, go. Every once in a while, there'd be a slave that would go, no way, I'm not leaving. There's no way I'm leaving. This is the greatest situation in the world. I am better under you than off on my, I don't want to be free. I'd rather be under you. You, you, You're you're just wiser. You take care of me. You treat me so well. I don't want to go. And and so they would become what's called a bond servant. 
Meaning you chose to surrender. You chose to give your whole life to this person. It was your decision. You chose to do it. And what they would do is they would go out and they would get this sharp metal object and just stab a hole through their ear. I mean, some of you guys do that for fun. But, you know, he just, uh, he, they would do it as, as this proof, this sign, like, man, I am his servant. I've chosen this. I want to be his servant for the rest of my life because there's nowhere, nowhere else I'd rather be. I can't imagine finding a better master. I can't imagine life being better without you. He chose to be the servant. And that's the word that James uses here. He goes, I'm a bond servant of God. Man, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. I've got the greatest master in the world. I'm his bond servant and, uh, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, man, I, I hope that that's the way you feel about yourself. You know, I, I love um, the picture in John 6. In John chapter 6, Jesus is preaching, and the Bible says, to thousands of people. He's preaching to thousands of people, and by the end of his message, all of them desert him, except for 12. And then he looks at the 12, and he goes, you guys want to go too? You guys want to leave too? You're free to leave. He looks at the 12 and goes, you can go also. And Peter's response to Jesus, where are we going to go? You've got the keys to eternal life. I'm not leaving you. Man, this is the greatest deal in the world. I mean, this is this is a little thing on earth. I, I'm going to follow you. Uh, where else would I go? You've got the keys to eternal life. I get rewarded with eternal life. I'm not going anywhere. And he chooses to follow. And that's the way we ought to be. We should just look at our lives and go, man, it, I'd be crazy to walk away from God. Because I understand what I'm getting. I'm looking at the prize. I'm not looking at what I give up. Because when I look at the prize, the things that I give up suddenly just seem so silly compared to him. But we take our eyes off of that too often, don't we? We start looking at stuff. But James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. He writes, this letter that we're about to study over the next couple months is, it's a letter that's written by James servant of God, to these 12 tribes that are scattered among the nations. What's he talking about? Whenever the Bible talks about the 12 tribes, who is it referring to? Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel. It's talking about the the 12 tribes of Israel, the, the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. It was talking about these Jewish believers that were living there in Jerusalem. They saw, they witnessed the resurrection. They saw the death of Christ and they, they were just sold out. They were followers. It was that Acts 2 crowd that just 3,000 just ran down in the water. Okay, what do we do? Okay, get baptized. I'll get baptized. What else now? What? These are these believers. Well, what happens is in, in Acts uh, chapter 7, you see the persecution begin to arise. And suddenly these Jewish believers are being persecuted. In chapter 7, you you read about the stoning of Stephen. One of the leaders, suddenly, they watch one of the leaders get stoned to death. So then, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 1, and and you remember who who led that whole persecution, right? Saul. Saul was there, and and you see that in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. But read with me. Acts 8 verse 1 says this. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. 
Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Okay, so you see these people were scattered everywhere. Why? Because the persecution was so great. And so James then writes this letter. And he says, look, I'm writing to these 12 tribes who have been scattered all around the nations. But what happened when these 12 tribes were scattered all around the nations? In Acts 8, verse 4, it says they went and they preached the good news wherever they went. You see how God used the persecution to actually spread the good news of man's forgiveness, of what he did on the cross for them, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God used that for that. And so James is saying, okay, let me write this letter to all of these people that have been scattered everywhere. Okay, and, and remember that these people, they've seen, they watched Stephen die. They watched probably others die. They've seen their friends, their relatives being drug off into prison and they're running for their lives. But as they're running for their lives, they're telling people about Jesus. Now, if you were going to write a letter and have it circulate to all those people who've been scattered everywhere, What's the first thing you would say to them? Try, try to think. If you, you were writing to these people who have just gone through so much pain and they had to run from their lives, flee their homes, I personally, I'd probably write something like, I'm sorry. I, that, that's got to be so tough. I can't imagine what you're going through. That's just normally what I feel when someone goes through pain. Well, James, the first word that he really says to them in verse 1, is the word greetings. Now, when we hear the word greetings, we think, oh, he said hi. No, the root of the word greetings, if you read the word in the Greek, it's the same word as the word joy. So James, the servant of God, to these 12 tribes that just lost their homes, have been scattered, and, and they're in these unknown lands, but you're preaching the gospel, first thing I have to say to you is joy. Joyful greetings. And then he goes on in the next passage, which Todd's going to cover next week, that, that talks about why you can have joy in such a difficult time. But the first word, the first thing out of his mouth is joy. You, you can have joy in this. Why can they have joy? Why is it they can have joy in trials? Based upon what I'm saying this week, it's because you always get the better end of the deal. You always get the better end of the deal. Second Corinthians chapter 4, if you have your Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 4, I, I love this. I love this verse. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. We'll start at 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Key is verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. He he says, you you know, I know there are times when it's tough. He goes, but he goes, our light and momentary troubles. Okay, sometimes our troubles don't feel so light, do they? Sometimes we feel like the whole world is just crashing down and everything is falling apart. And yet the Bible says, no, 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 I don't care what you're going through. It's light. It's light and it's momentary if you compare it to the eternal glory that you're going to receive and you're achieving for yourself. Because this far outweighs, going to verse 17, this far, 
far outweighs, the reward far outweighs whatever you're going through. See, don't, don't make yourself out to be the giver. Don't make yourself out to be the martyr, the poor me, because he's saying, you know what? This is nothing compared to what you're going to get for this. I understand it's hard, but compared to the reward, this is nothing. This is light. This is momentary. So you've got to keep your eyes not on what you can see, but on the unseen. See, for some of you, your, your troubles, I know they seem difficult. Maybe you're in a difficult marriage. But the Bible says, you know what? If you love, you love through this, you stick it out and you fight for that thing. You know what? That's going to be nothing compared to the reward you're going to get. Okay, you're getting the better end of the deal here. I understand there are going to be times when, you know what, just by, by, by fighting your sin, you know what, it's hard, it's difficult, but nothing compared to the reward you're going to get. I know sometimes it's embarrassing to tell people about Jesus and tell them your faith, and I know it's awkward, I know it's uncomfortable, and I know sometimes you get rejected, but that's nothing compared to the reward you're going to receive. It's light, it's momentary compared to the eternal glory, the forever glory that far outweighs it, and you're going to see that. You're going to see in the end that your reward is so much greater than what you had to put up with. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. I like this passage. Luke 6, verses 22 and 23. I don't know how you can say it more clearly. It's, it, it's so opposite, so contrary to what we normally hear. But Luke 6, 22 says this. Blessed are you when men hate you. When they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the the true prophets. He says if people are insulting you for what you believe... If people exclude you from their parties, going, man, you know, I don't want to be that little goody-goody, you know, whatever. I don't want this. I don't want that. They insult you. They mock you. They think you're crazy for giving as much as you do or serving as much as you do or living for this God, staying as pure as you are. He says, you know what? When they insult you, put you down, you should leap for joy. (laughs) You You should be like, yeah, did you hear that? I can't wait to see the reward for this one. He says, because, he goes, that's the way in the Old Testament they treated the prophets, the real prophets. See, the false prophets everyone loved. The true prophets, man, they, they had to, they faced a lot of hatred. And he goes, understand that, man, that means you're being a real prophet. You're, you're being like those saints in the Bible. And you know the reward that's up there for them? He goes, you should be leaping for joy when you hear those insults. And one last passage, if you turn over to Luke 18. This is what we looked at last week, but I want to point something out to you. This is when uh, when Jesus tells that rich young ruler to give everything up, right? Rich young ruler walks away sad because he doesn't doesn't uh, have or he has so much. But right after that, Peter in verse twenty eight, Peter says to Jesus, he goes, "We have left all we had to follow you." So Peter goes, we did it. We left everything we had to follow you. And so Jesus says to Peter, he goes, I tell you the truth. Jesus said to them, no one who's left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Okay, I I don't quite know the tone, you know, and you can't tell how it was. In my mind, I picture Peter being proud. 
You know, because we see that, you know, in the early stages of, of who he was. I, I see him going, yeah, that guy couldn't do it, but look at us. We did it. We gave everything up. Look at us. We've got nothing. We literally sold everything. We gave everything away to follow you. We did it. And, and it's almost like he's expecting Jesus to pat him on the back and go, good job, man. I knew you guys could do it. I knew you were with me. But Jesus kind of stops him and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, wait a second here. You're not the martyr giving everything up. Whatever you've given up, you're going to receive a reward for. Okay? You're getting, you're getting the better end of the deal here, buddy. Don't, don't go telling me how much you gave up because whatever you've given up, I'm going to reward you so many times the amount of what you gave up here in this life and the life to come. Why? Because I am always the giver. You know? See, here's, here's the thing is, I, this is a very important message to me because for many years, and, and many of the years that I, I've been your pastor, um, I, I did a lot of things out of guilt. First few years here at the church, I did a lot of things out of guilt. I did a lot of things that uh, I felt like I was just sacrificing, sacrificing, and giving, and giving, giving to the church. And I realized at some point, you know what? I'm actually getting all the glory, and it's actually bringing shame upon God. Let me explain why. When I go, when I say, oh man, my life is tough. Man, to put up with all of you, to um, sacrifice, I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm Asian, I should be making a million dollars a year, you know, I, 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 I got that mind, I should be owning all sorts of things, but I gave it all up to pastor here, you know, and, and it's, it's not easy, I put in long hours, I do this, I do that, and, and, and all for the kingdom. But I'm going to do it. You know, who gets all the glory in that? It's right here. Look what I do. Look at what I give up. Look at what I'm sacrificing. God, look at what, look at how I'm repaying you for the cross. Look at what I'm doing for you. It's all me, me, me. But what? When I just look at the prize and it's just like, man, I got the greatest job in the world. Man, you have the greatest job in the world. Man, we are the we are the most fortunate people on the earth because it's like, man, every time I suffer, I can leap for joy. It's weird, but I actually get excited, you know, about negative. I get excited when people put me down because I know what I'm getting. It's like every time it's like, yeah, 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 yeah tell me more, tell me more. Okay, it, you know, it's just like, man, everything that happens, everything that I give is for my advantage. Because God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. Because He is the giver. He doesn't need to be served by me. He wants to show off how much He's going to reward me. That's why He wants me to serve Him. is so that one day He can show off, look how much I reward the people who serve me. You know, I'm always the recipient. Now when I do that, you know, and, and I talk about this God who's constantly giving to me and brought me so much joy, where does all the glory go? Suddenly it's to Him. It's like, Really? He gives you that much joy and he's got so much in the future stored up for you. I want some of that action. I want to I want to be under him. I, I want some of your God. Suddenly that God becomes attractive and he gets the glory. But when we walk around acting as though we are the givers, you guys, we are never the givers ever. We're always the recipients. God is always the rewarder. 
And every time you sacrifice or give anything, it's nothing compared to what you get, so you're not a giver. You aren't. He is always the rewarder, and so we leave with joy because our eyes are on the prize, and we go, oh man, I give it all up because look what I'm getting compared to the light and momentary troubles. You guys, I I love what God has done in my life. I, I love what I do. I love what God's done in so many of your lives. Those of you that are on fire, um, the transformation that takes place. Yesterday I was in the Bay Area speaking at a pastor's conference and, and one of the guys that spoke before me, man, I just wanted to cry when he was done. It was just so awesome what God did for him. He, he grew up, he was, he was homosexual, he had all these homosexual friends, they, uh, you know, they ended up going to a homosexual church, you know, and uh, then his friends got married. These two guys got married to each other, and you know, in this church, they said, "Hey, everything goes." And uh, and then he went off, joined the navy, and then did all this other stuff, just crazy stuff. He lived two years as a woman, you know, and showed us pictures. A good-looking woman, you know. It was like, "Wow, you're kidding me," you know. And uh, just the full thing for two years, and then. And then something weird happened. His two friends that were going to that church said they started studying the Bible for themselves. And they got so convicted when they read the Bible for themselves, not what their church taught them. And they realized their lifestyle wasn't pleasing to God. And the two of them decided to part and both start following God. And they write this guy a letter going, yeah, now we're praying for you. You know, and this guy, you know, it's just just the story of how God just got a hold of his life and turned him around. And now he's been, you know, married for 20 years as, you know, teenage girl, just traveling and just talking about, you know, God didn't take away all the urges, all the temptations, everything else. He goes, I still, you know, have these fights and everything else. He goes, I tried that prayer of God, take it away if it's not your will. And I still felt the same way. He goes, but it didn't matter. You know, I looked at scripture and said, no, this is the truth. And so there's certain things I give up, but I gladly give up. And I, I just, you're just listening to this guy. He was all done. And I just, I just, I'm just sat there going, God, you're so good. You, you can turn anyone or you, you, there's no one that's out of your reach. There, there's no one. I mean, and, 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 you know, and as we, you know, every, at the end of services, we're going to worship him a little bit. We, we offer baptism. And, and I hear people go, well, I'm not ready to get baptized yet because there's still more I need to do. You know, I still want to get to this point before I get baptized. And, and there's still things in my life, and, I, and I'm going, man, you understand it's all about you, isn't it? That once you do enough, then you earn the right to get baptized, and then maybe you'll do a little bit more and you can even earn heaven. You see, that's all about you, isn't it? That's not the deal. The deal is, is God says anyone can come to me. I don't care what you've done in your life. I had my son die on a cross. He paid everything for you that if you believe in him, you can just jump right up here. Just like in Acts chapter 2. Yeah, you can just get right in the water and go, okay, I'll follow. Why? Because this way we'll look at God and go, God, you would forgive him? You'd forgive her just like that? You just shower, you just give him eternal life. Just like you just, you just lay it all out there? I, there's no one that generous. There's no one that forgiving. That's impossible. There's no one that could love that much. And who gets all the glory? God does. And so don't wait until you're good enough because that's a very arrogant statement. And that's all about you. And this is not about you. This is about a God in heaven that says, you don't even understand my love. You don't understand my forgiveness. I'll forgive everything. I paid for it all on the cross. My son paid for everything. And if you want to come to me, you can come to me right now. That's an amazing God we serve. 
And it's, I am his bondservant. I love being his bondservant. And uh, so we come here and we're going to worship him. Our worship team is going to come up and, and uh, you don't have to worship him. You know, again, it's one of those things where, you know, those of us who are bondservants of God, we just want to express to God and go, you know what? I love being your kid. I mean, for what I have to sacrifice compared to what I get, this is unreal. I love having you as my God. If any of you need prayer, anyone wants to get baptized, there will be some pastors, elders up here, um, counselors up at the prayer room. But the rest of us, you guys, let's, let's stand up and let's just, let's just rejoice in the treasure that we found and tell them how excited we are to be his children. You're now with Unity in Christ, powered by Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries in Phoenix, Arizona. We want to hear from you. If you have any comments or testimony that you want to share with us, please email it to askhsgm at gmail.com. Now you can find all the programs of Heart and Soul on podcasts. You can easily play this week's or past week's program, or even download them on your device in just a few minutes. Search for Heart and Soul at your iTunes stores now. There will be a slight change in today's broadcast. In place of our program titled Christian Ethics, we will have an interview with Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Hello everyone, welcome to the program, Good Neighbor. This is your host, Sean Kang. Uh, today we invite Pastor Mark Martin from Calvary Community Church again to share his testimony. Last week he shared that he grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist church background, but God gave him the grace, he came to the truth, and he started to share the truth with others. But Seventh-day Adventist Church didn't like it, so they kicked him out. But God had other plan. God gave him the opportunity to open up the church in Phoenix area. But the church didn't grow up as he expected, and he learned that it was not Pastor Mark. It was God who is the owner of the church, and God will bring the revival to the church. And let's hear more story about what happened to the Calvary Church and Pastor Mark after that. What I did was mm-hmm. I decided I'm not going to teach to the empty seats. Mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on the people that are there. We took down chairs, right. and and we were. I just focused on them. Mm-hmm. For years, the Lord just, I think, was working on me and didn't want me to have to practice on too many people. Then all of a sudden, one week, a whole row of new people came. I mean, it was shocking. Seven people came. (laughs) And the church began to grow exponentially. After, I also had started teaching expositorily through the Bible. Mm -hmm. That means, you know, verse by verse through uh, books of the Bible. I hadn't learned to do that in the Adventist church. You know, they didn't teach me that. All they Mm -hmm. taught was for us to teach topics and you'd have your 52 topics Mm -hmm. and 
They'd move you from church to church, and we never knew Mm. anything about studying verse by verse. I know it sounds crazy. (laughs) The next week, uh, there were more people, and we went from probably 80 people to 100, 150, 200, 400, 800, 1,000 in months, Mm. just a matter of months. God was gracious. The Presbyterians were meeting in the (laughs) auditorium, (laughs) and they were looking for land, and we needed to be in that auditorium. We had no space in the woodshop. People were coming. (laughs) When the first 120 had come, we were packed out. So we started praying that Presbyterians would find land, (laughs) and they did. Within a few weeks, they found the land. They moved out, and they were happy, Mm -hmm. and we moved in. The church grew just like that every week. First it was a two-thirds, then it grew the whole, and then it got so big wow. that we turned sideways and we used the, the stage as a balcony. Mm-hmm. So I was really teaching you know, at, in We're front of side. one of the sidewalls. <laughs> and um, we came to the point where many salvations, mm-hmm. and we came to the point where the principal of the school said, look, this is not a church. This is a school. You guys are going to have to find a place to go. Well, we had no money. Uh, We were growing lots of people, but we didn't have enough money to buy anything. Mm -hmm. So we found out that there was a shopping center, Mm -hmm. a major freeway in Phoenix, Mm -hmm. that had some space to lease. There had been a drugstore and a grocery store, Mm -hmm. and it was empty space. And we found out that we could lease that place. Mm -hmm. So. We leased it, we built out a sanctuary and some classrooms, and we thought, well, this will do us, you know, we can do this. Well, we moved in, and the first week we were packed out, and we had to go to double services the next Sunday. And more space would open up, and we would lease it, and more Uh space, and we would lease it. And pretty soon we had um, a large portion of the shopping center. Finally, he came to us, and he Mm. says, why don't you just build, buy this shopping center? And we said, well, we can't afford it. Well, how much? $1.3 million. Well, when you're looking back in 1990s money, that it's still a lot of money no matter when you look at it. It worked this way. We could pay just what we had been paying, but the renters now mm-hmm. that we had when we bought the center, they paid what we didn't have the money to pay. Oh. <laughs> and so as we grew, a renter would leave, and but the money of the church had, had you know, come up to that thing. level, and that's the way it happened for years. So God was gracious. Hey. And uh, there used to be a liquor store, it's gone. There was a bad bookstore. It's gone. There were two bars. There was another place that they were selling drugs out of. Wow. It's kind of like looking at a person's life, how God mm-hmm. God redeems you and True. you know changes Perfect. and transforms. Yes, one by one, he's getting rid of your old bad habits. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so over the years with seven purchases, we had the entire city uh-huh. block and land across the streets mm-hmm. and all. Mm-hmm. So in those years, you know, God, we're just growing, and we had a radio ministry, mm-hmm. and it took off, and we saw the Lord save many people. We had pastors raised up from within the church that have yeah. blessed people. We've had missions around the world. We've probably seen 20,000-plus people make decisions for Christ, baptize 12,000 people, I think, over the years, probably more than that now. Mm-hmm. So it's been a wonderful journey, but 
people will say, well, what did you do? You know, what did you do differently mm-hmm. that made the church grow? And I have to say, we, I didn't do anything. Is the Lord, really. You stand back and you just have to say, this is the Lord's work, like this ministry. Your ministry is the Lord's work. You don't take credit for it. Uh, he does it despite ourselves. And it's just his sovereign grace and plan. So it's not, be, he uses the foolish things, the weak things, you know, like the Apostle Paul says, mm. and, and not many wise, you know, not many noble. Right. Amen. Well, to me, the reason why your church has been growing so quickly is because so many Christians out there are hungry for the Word of God. But it's not easy to find the true Word of God this day because there are so many watered-down gospel out there. But at the same time, you were providing the expository sermon, which is uh, you were giving them the verse-by-verse sermon every week. So I think that's why people came to your church to listen to the Word of God. What do you think about that? I think like you see, yeah. you know, through this ministry, that people are hungry for the Word of God. The Bible says in the last days there'll be a famine mm-hmm. for the Word of God. Yes, People will be looking for bread and won't be able to find it. Right. And there's a lot of Christian ministries that aren't offering mm-hmm. solid teaching of right. the Bible. Right. We can hear things that are pleasing mm-hmm. and maybe make us happy, but when your life falls apart, You need to have been equipped with the Word, and I often think not learning to swim Mm -hmm. (laughs) when the boat is sinking, but you've already (laughs) learned how to swim, you know, and you're equipped for that. And the Lord blesses His Word. You know, the Word of the Lord, it's living and active and Mm -hmm. sharper than a two-edged sword. The Bible says, you know, God says, it's not my Word like fire Mm -hmm. and like a hammer that shatters the rock. And God said that, when he sends out his word, it always succeeds and accomplishes what he sends it out to do. Mm-hmm. So the word of God does the work of God, and we really believe that. And we've seen his faithfulness to his word. Mm-hmm. Now, we've had tests. I mean, we've still gone through. It has not been easy. Sometimes people look at a large church, and they think, well, that was easy. It <laughs> bigger the church, the bigger the tests, the bigger right, the problems. Right, um, right. But we're just always growing. I don't think we've ever reached or will reach, of course, um, all that the Lord has for us. We're all growing, you know. I know I'm growing. Yeah, yeah we'll be growing until the Lord calls us to home. Uh, you know, I was thinking this way. Uh, your church name is Calvary Community Church. Uh, as uh, your name says, I think uh, you are really blessing to the community around this area. And we are the one actually who got blessed by your uh, church. So I would really say thank you for being a blessing for us. I want to say that if there's a ministry that is blessing the world, heart and soul is right there. I mean, reaching across uh, the United States and then, you know, in uh, South Korea and populations that are just so unexpected. And through media now, Mm -hmm. you guys are harnessing the power of media Mm -hmm. and the word of the gospel is going out to people who couldn't go to church Mm -hmm. or who need a supplement to what they are receiving Mm -hmm. or where they are or to precious people that are listening right now that are 
just investigating. Mm-hmm. They're just wondering, mm-hmm. you know, about Christianity. Or, you know, a friend has told them to tune in and yeah. t- or to listen to this CD mm-hmm. or to this radio broadcast. And as a result, I'm going to say their lives will be changed. Mm-hmm. Just listen to the world. Are my life and my right. wife and family's life transformed by the grace of God and knowing yes. that, that Lord loves us not because we're good, mm-hmm. not because we've done great things, but he loves us just because he chose to. And if that's true, be, he loves us because he's chosen to. There's not anything we could do to make him not love us. The most important decision we make in life mm-hmm. is to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Yes. There's nothing in life mm-hmm. That is more important than that because that, that's an eternal destiny decision. Amen. Yes. Yet the benefit on earth mm-hmm. is having a Savior who never leaves you, mm-hmm. never forsakes you. Right. In your difficult times, when you're depressed like I was, and maybe you want to kill yourself, mm-hmm. knowing the Lord says, I'm with you, mm-hmm. I love you, you know, and you're precious and honored to me. There's nothing anybody could be going through right now that Jesus wouldn't be right there with you. Mm. You just, you've got to ask him to be your Savior and your Lord. Amen to that. I believe many of our listeners actually got encouraged by what you say. Well, earlier I said that you were the blessing for us. Uh, Maybe some of our listeners don't know what we are talking about. our current building, the Heart and Source current building, actually were on the market uh, for $380,000. But we purchased this for $10 from Calvary Community Church. I was always wondering uh, your side of the story because we know our side of the story. But what made you guys, the church, to decide sell this building for $10 for the small ministry team like us. <laughs> okay, well, um, Mimi, I think we had interaction. I had met mm-hmm. uh, Mimi at church one time at our one of, we have right. two campuses now. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was up at the at our uh, Northwest campus mm-hmm. that I met Mimi. Uh, there was another woman who was involved with the ministry at the time mm-hmm. that was just really I would say pushing mm-hmm. for me to to meet Mimi, and I was I was thinking, uh, okay, <laughs> okay, you know. So I, I met Mimi. I believe I met her in the lobby and said hello and all. And she expressed that the Lord had put it on her heart mm-hmm. that that building across the street mm-hmm. would be given to Heart and Soul Ministry. <laughs> and um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was your first impression of her, Mimi? I mean. You didn't know her much, but all of a sudden she just show up on one day without appointment, just ask you to, you know, donate the building to us. What was your first impression? Well, (laughs) my first reaction was, who is she? My first reaction was, you're kidding me. Who would ask this? And yet Mm. my second reaction was, you know, you have great faith, uh-huh. and because of your faith, it's been given to you. Mm-hmm. I thought this woman could either do this because she's crazy <laughs> <laughs> or she's hearing from the Lord, right. and I just really felt like, you mm-hmm. know what? Uh, it was the Lord, you mm-hmm. know, and we just saw her boldness mm-hmm. not as impropriety of any kind, but we mm-hmm. saw it as true faith, and I, I believe it was right after she left that mm-hmm. we decided 
we're going to give it to the ministry. Well, thank you so much. Because of your decision, we are uh, doing our ministry in this new building. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now I would like to ask you what is the church, Calvary Community Church's vision in the future? We are moving forward right now. I, I feel like the Lord has given us a reset, excitement, and vision. Our neighborhood around the church has changed a lot. The demographic has changed. Leslie and I always prayed that the Lord would give us, let us minister in a church that was a coat of many colors, you know, Mm -hmm. that we would be able to minister to people from different nations and Mm -hmm. different backgrounds. And so we have seen uh, the culture of of this campus, uh, the original, Mm -hmm. change dramatically. We have a great history amount of Hispanic people and Asian and mm-hmm. Native American, Indian, you know, East Indian from right, India. Right. We're people who are black. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've just, we've seen a great influx mm-hmm. of people and different economic incomes too. Right. You know, we have people who are white collar. We mm-hmm. have people blue collar. We have people who of different ages. So mm-hmm. it's much like a global family. It's like a real heaven. It, it <laughs> is. Heaven, yeah. And of course, that's a challenge because yeah. you, you want to be sensitive to everybody's culture and background. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's our prayer, that God would make us wise to do that. We mm-hmm. started a Spanish church some years ago, Spanish-speaking church, mm-hmm. and it took off. And there's about 500 people that are part of that church. So we still funnel people mm-hmm. you know, over there to that church. We also are wanting to continue to harness technology mm-hmm. to further the gospel. You know, we have a large internet audience that are mm-hmm. watching the services. Yes. I've been a little bit concerned about, mm-hmm. I wish people would come to church and not right. just watch, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's gonna change. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much the way the world is. So how can we minister to these micro communities right. that are right. watching online or listening on the radio? Mm-hmm. and? How can we integrate people into our church? Hold on to people who visit. And of course, we know it's the Lord's work, but he also gives us wisdom. And so we're looking at different ways to harness technology that way, uh, to reach the world in those ways. We have seen a, an explosion with our junior high, high school, and college ministries. God has breathed new life into them, and I'm so excited because that's the generation, you know, that that are going to take the torch and run with it. Right. I'm seeing among our 27 to high school mm-hmm. age kids, they are just on fire for the Lord. The college ministry, people are driving from Prescott, which is about an hour and a half away, yeah. to come on Thursday nights to the college ministry. Wow. It's again it's been reset, you know, and so is the high school and junior high. So we're looking very happily on mm-hmm. what the Lord is doing in those ministries. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for us it's now I see us in a discipling mode mm-hmm. needing to raise up people. We've had several churches start mm-hmm. recently out of our church mm-hmm. and so we need more leaders, yeah. and it's always a matter of discipling, building up. Great. Thank you for sharing your church's vision. And also thank you for sharing your personal testimony for the last two weeks. Uh, it was a really blessing. And it's time to wrap up now. But before we go, I would like to ask your blessing for our heart and soul 
our listeners out there. Would you do that? I would love to bless your Korean listeners, and I would like to say that I have learned from my brother and, and my sisters and brothers here a devotion to the Lord that I admire. I really do. I, I see a devotion to prayer. I see in the, the culture and the way Christianity is lived that I admire and I have it rub off on me, and I wished I could clone a lot of you and just have you in our congregation because you're just such a blessing. And the people in this ministry are, I just want your listeners to know that you are godly, you are prayerful. Anything that anyone would invest in this ministry is is prayerfully used and is used to the glory of God. There's, that's unquestionable. And you operate on faith, and I know that you've never asked, you know, for money and that kind of thing. I do want, when the Lord leads people to to give, I just want them to know that it's a wonderful investment. I know you're not asking me to say that, <laughs> but um, I truly am blessed by this ministry, by the believers that I know and have had uh, fellowship and friendship with. And I would ask uh, God's blessing. I know that when we come from different cultures, that some cultures are more Christ-friendly than others. Mm -hmm. And I would like to, to just pray that, that God gives words and wisdom to be able to share the gospel with our relatives that don't know the Lord, mm -hmm. our relatives who aren't exposed to mm -hmm. Christianity, where Christianity is in the minority. And some of us may have relatives that are being persecuted for Christ's sake, yes. or we haven't heard from right. for decades. And so I would like to pray. Father, I, I thank you for this wonderful time to be able to share with my brothers and sisters who listen and are part of this ministry. And Lord, we know that your word uh, does your work, and we pray that your word would continue to go around this world Touch our friends and our relatives and uh, those who live among us and around us. Lord, you call each one of us to be witnesses, to be people who speak for you. Open the doors now, Lord, of opportunity. We're willing. You open the door, please, and, and we'll speak, we'll share, whether it's using one of these CDs it's having people turn into the radio broadcast. But give us the opportunity, Lord, to just naturally share. And I pray for our relatives who don't know you. Some might be hostile. We pray for a softening of their hearts. Lord, we pray for those who are just on the verge of believing. And there might be just some little thing in the way. Lord, we ask that you would remove that in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for those who are troubled and going through deep trials right now. And you've promised never to leave us or to forsake us. You said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Lord, we, we pray for their encouragement and uplifting. We pray for those who are sick, Lord, among us. And we ask if it's your will that you would raise them up and their healing would be a great testimony as well. Lord, please may there be a revival among Korean believers around the world, and may they be the people who come to other nations, and they share, and they start revival in, in America, in the Middle East, 
in Central America, Lord, that you take them out as you give them favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Uh, It was a blessing for us to have you here and have a chance to listen to your story. Thank you very much uh, for being a good neighbor for us. As you being blessing for us, we would like to be a blessing for you as well. So thank you and God bless you. And for our listener, thank you for listening. God bless you all.
In the Jewish wedding customs, after the engagement, the groom prepares a gift for the bride before he leaves. This is an honor of gratitude for accepting his proposal, but also holds significance to remember him while they are separated. It is said that the bride accepts the gift to remember and think of her groom as they are separated and prepare for the wedding day. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, there was a gift he gave to the disciples. What was it? It was another helper, the Holy Spirit. This message is given to us in John chapter 14, verse 16 through 20. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. On that day, we will be able to meet our groom, and everyone will be able to witness this great day. Although we have not come to that day yet, He has given us a gift, and that is the Holy Spirit. He is with us forever and also within us. He will help us to live in purity and holiness that we may prepare the way for the groom to come back to us. I hope that all of our listeners may prepare the way for Him to come back as we live on this earth as a living proof of Jesus' bride. I hope this next week we may truly live out our faith in our lives as we will now wrap up today's program. Thank you for listening as it has been my pleasure and God bless. All of creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sin.
Lord Jesus, come.